impact wrestling uh headed back to las vegas again uh february 24th 25th and 26th Mm -hmm. for the no surrender tapings uh before we get there uh you actually just celebrated your one-year anniversary with impact uh so you know congratulations on that uh it it kind of came as a surprise uh it, it was great to see you in the booth uh obviously you left wwe and people were bummed to see you leave that job but you know the old adage one door closes another door opens uh what's the year been like for you just adapting to a new environment and getting to you know build your resume and create you know a new home with impact wrestling it's been so much fun it's just been loosening up in a lot of ways it's shaking off some old habits that were necessary and trying a lot of new things trying a lot of new things that i may have not tried before uh trying to open up my personality see what works see what doesn't work so it's a really interesting time I, i remember when i first started with wwe Michael Cole told me it's going to take you 10 years to feel comfortable about this and get good at this. And I'm just thrilled now that I have the chance to be the lead for impact wrestling at a point in time where I feel like I've learned a lot. I still have a lot more to learn uh, a lot more than I want to accomplish. And I'm just glad that I can contribute to a place that is growing is trending in the right direction with everything they're doing. So I'm just, I just feel very fortunate and I feel, uh, I'm very humbled to have this opportunity to be the lead guy for Impact Wrestling. It's a it's an opportunity that's just not lost on me. What does year two look like for you? Year two, uh, I'm excited because, like you mentioned, we'll be in Vegas for No Surrender, Friday, February 24th, live. And then we're going to have a nice stretch in Canada uh, in March, Windsor, Ontario, uh, for Sacrifice. First time we'll be... Uh, in Canada in three years. And then in April, we'll be in Toronto for Rebellion, which is the first time we'll be in Toronto since 2019. So it's just, it's really exciting. It's these places. I don't remember the last time I was able to perform in Canada with WWE, probably uh, late 2019 or something like that. Somebody didn't have to check my sticker or something like that. But uh, I'm looking forward to all the things that we've been building on. Uh, This past Bound for Glory was the most uh, the highest attended event for Impact in three years. Uh, we sold out hard to kill, and I hope to see that trend continue. From what I understand, the response in Canada has been great. Our opportunity with DAZN internationally in about 170 countries, the response was outstanding, and Impact is a great international audience. So I'm hoping we can do more and more there. And then just for me personally, I'm getting to call great matches with some awesome wrestlers, and I have an awesome color commentator. I love working with my producer. Scott Demore is fantastic to work with so i mean I, I have nothing to complain about i'm just hoping to do more yeah uh it, it's really weird when you think about you mentioned 2019 i could have sworn the impact had been there in between that time but then you think like everything that did go down like they weren't so i remember the last couple shows that were up there being really uh ones that you know were really fun to watch we'll have to get get caught up on that before april i don't remember what the building's called uh but uh one place you know selfishly i'd like to see you guys is philadelphia again i live in the suburbs so is that something that you're like all right when are we when are we going here when are you like you know is that something you're kind of like itching to do even though you've probably called plenty of events here 
Oh, I'm very lucky to have done a lot in Philadelphia over the years, Uh, getting to work in the 2300 arena. I think it was in March of this past year uh, was really, really cool because obviously I grew up in the Philadelphia suburbs. I was aware of ECW. So to be able to work in the famed 2300 arena was really, really special to me. So hopefully we get a chance to get back into Philadelphia soon. Uh, Don't know what venue that would be in particular. Obviously, the 2300 is very, very special. But, um, you know, just to be in front of the Philly crowd, I would rank Philadelphia up there with the likes of New York and Chicago as some of the best wrestling cities in the country. So I think it's I think it would be great. And selfishly for me, it's a really easy commute. So why not? (laughs) Yeah, I I was just talking to somebody else, and I know the comparison is always, if you can make it in MSG, you can make it anywhere. But I really feel like if you, you know, if you get over with the Philadelphia crowd, like that's just as big of a, a test that you you put yourself in. So we'll see. Hopefully, I don't know. You're booked yeah, through April, so maybe the summer. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't book the show, so I'll just I'll be wherever they want me to be. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so in prepping for shows like this, obviously the format's different. You're not doing uh, a weekly live to tape show. It's, you know, a few at once, a little bit more frequent uh, as we've seen, you know, Atlanta and then Las Vegas. So like maybe like two or three shows in between. Does your prep, do your notes change based on what you were doing before? Because that was 10 years of of work, 10 years of, you know, sort of muscle memory and all that, do you have to undo it or is it some of it still the same? Some of it's still the same. Uh, when I got to Impact, obviously, I love doing live TV. I, I love having that lack of a safety net. I think it just makes people sharper. So I, I love doing live TV. And obviously, there's a lot of value in pro wrestling being live. Uh, and Impact Wrestling, when they are live, they don't miss. So it's a blast. The taping schedule was very familiar to me because it was something that in my early days in NXT, before they went live on USA, we were doing very, very regularly. So I was used to a taping schedule. I got used to a taping schedule again with NXT UK when I had the chance to be the lead for them for a little while. So it wasn't foreign to me. But when you're doing a taped batch of shows, you do have the possibility of shooting things out of order. You have the possibility of you maybe see... 60% of the total show. You see what happens in the arena, obviously, but there's a lot of things that get taped and changed that happen for backstage segments, et cetera. God forbid there's an injury and you have to make a change on the fly. It's the beauty and the beast of post-production is that there are changes we can make um, to be current week to week and we can protect certain things, but it's very challenging to put four weeks of TV sometimes in your head all at one time and inevitably, you're not going to get everything. You do your best to get everything. So it, it can be really challenging. But uh, it's a similar procedure, uh, but it, it's just different all at the same time. It's hard to put into words. Are there any, uh, I'll, I'll call them for this discussion, I'll call them mistakes or what you perceived as a mistake at the time of the taping that you know made it to production, made it to TV, and you're like, oh, that that wasn't that bad or, Oh, it actually worked. You know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Um, yeah. Um, first of all, I'm really, really hard on myself. I'm 
very, very hard on myself personally and professionally on just everything. So uh, there's stuff that in the moment I'm kicking myself with. This past weekend, I remember talking to Matt Raywald about something. I can't even remember what it was. And I was like, ah, I hated that. That sucked. And I might listen to it back in three weeks after I've forgotten about it and be like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Or if it isn't great, great, go back and fix it. And it's also accepting there's elements, like I just said, there's backstage segments that they might be written to occur one way and they have to occur another way. So mm-hmm. I can't be mad at myself for you know reacting to what I thought was going to happen in the moment. And then it changed a handful of weeks later. We make the appropriate adjustments and then we air the show accordingly. So uh, I've got to loosen up on myself at the end of the day. But yeah, there's there's always those situations that it's not just, oh, what would it have been? You know, when I was in WWE and being produced by that system, it's just what does this system require me to be? And then also what standard do I hold myself and my broadcast team to? I I, I heard this uh, a couple of days ago. It was actually something Charles Robinson, referee, said about the art of officiating that I, I feel like might apply here. But he said something about uh officiating refereeing hasn't really changed in the past 20 years do you feel like the same thing applies to broadcasting and you know the reason i bring it up is social media changes a lot your prep changes a lot there's different variables that maybe we see on the outside but do you feel like broadcast has you know the arc of commentary has changed in in the past whether it's 10 years or five years like I think yes, uh, and, and but at the same time, its roots are still the same. There's still the the formulaic style of in ring performance that we then follow. So naturally, that style is constantly being reinvented or borrowing from the past to make you know the present feel new. So there's things that we have to follow in there, but there's just basic wrestling psychology that's always going to live on. So if you're not hitting that on commentary then you're not learning wrestling commentary. You need to be able to understand that psychology in order to communicate the emotion of what's going on in order to be able to tell the story of what the fan is seeing in front of them. You can call every move till you're blue in the face. You can talk about every championship or promotion in the country that somebody has wrestled in. That's all well and good. But if you don't get the moment and the emotion across, it just doesn't matter. So it's funny you say that. And I think a guy like Pat McAfee has done a lot to change wrestling commentary simply because he was an outsider coming to WWE and was given different opportunities to express himself that all of a sudden you see Michael Cole jumping up and down. You don't think he didn't want to do that for 25 years? Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, yeah, it's just loosened things up. There's changes and that's a good thing. So I I think it's reverberating throughout the business. Yeah. And, you know, at least in regards to Michael Cole, people had this you know perception about him like oh he's this you know and then you see it and he's like you you see him go on pat's show and he's just like very laid back carefree and it's like man i wanted this guy the whole time but he, he couldn't really have it because he played a role to a certain point but you know it is it is nice to see once you finally get that like oh i i, I would like more of that i i like seeing what that that new element adds to the existing elements, if that's the right way to put it. Yeah, it's it's like any job. Your boss asks you to do something, you do it to the best of your ability. Uh, and if you get a chance to ad lib and do something a little bit different, they're like, hey, you know, I don't know what this is supposed to look like, but you do your best and mm-hmm. be creative with it. Uh, I think, you know, there's just some different circumstances that have popped up and Cole has finally been appreciated. I think 
we all that were working in WWE saw it up close and personal. So we've appreciated it for years internally, but externally, it was something that I was trying to model myself after is that, oh, it might take me 10, 20, 25 years, for instance, to get the appreciation of fans or something for just being consistent. I'd rather be consistent than have crazy peaks and valleys. So I think that's the thing about Cole is that he never misses when it comes to emotion. And the thing that I think fans forget about is that he freaking loves wrestling. So to get to call this week in and week out, he's ecstatic. You've been part of a lot of big matches throughout uh, all the companies that you've worked for. Uh, Is there any in particular, whether it's you were just on commentary and you got to call it, whether you were working and just happened to be in the building for it, anyone stand out? as far as one that really resonated with you from a storytelling perspective, not necessarily maybe the match itself, the in-ring work part, but just from a storytelling perspective, one that was like, all right, this is why I do this. I'll never forget being in the building when uh, Brock beat Taker at WrestleMania to snap the streak. Obviously didn't call the match, but I was backstage uh, in the locker room with Byron Saxon and we're watching the match and they count three and we're kind of like did somebody did so like because i think a lot of people that are in the know were like oh did they they screw up and uh cole and and i'm sorry uh, byron and i are looking at each other like oh my god somebody somebody messed up or something what what is going on and it slowly hits you that it's like nope nope no no mistake this is what this is what happened and I think the nice little uh, wrinkle to that is that you don't hear the ring announcement for a few minutes, if I'm not mistaken. It, they, they really held it. The crowd reaction, no music, nothing for a long time. Uh, Cole's call was excellent. All he had to say was the streak is over. Because how, how in the hell do you put that into words? So that was one of the earliest WrestleManias I ever got to attend uh, as a part of, uh, of WWE. And it was definitely in that moment, had I not felt it before, I certainly felt it there where I was like, oh, this is some of the most moving and compelling stuff on the planet. So to be a part of this in any small shape or form is extremely special. And then, as I pointed to, Cole's call was perfect. You can you don't have to do a ton to make those moments special, but you can do a lot to mess them up. So you just don't want to get in the way of a great story or a great moment. The uh, comparison I, I make with that moment is it feels like wrestling's version of the Sopranos finale. You just oh. like, oh, wait, wait. Like, Never thought of it that way. That's did, my, did my cable cut out? Like, did it really happen? So, mm-hmm. uh, Impact, uh, Las Vegas, February 24th, 25th, and 26th for No Surrender. Uh, look forward to seeing everybody back in the ring, you on the mic. Uh, thanks for your time today. It was a uh, Good getting a chance to catch up with you, learn more about what you're doing at Impact Wrestling, and best of luck moving forward. I, I hope you know you're a part of the broadcast team for a long time. I enjoy your work. Me well, thank you. Me too. Uh, and thank you for the time. I appreciate you covering Impact.